The Athletic. Hello and welcome to From the Rookery End, uh, our podcast all about following Watford FC, which we can't do this weekend or next weekend because, hey, Watford aren't playing. Uh, my name is John. Uh, with me this evening, uh, Friday evening, is Jason. Good evening. And Michael. Yes, I'm just back from Arsenal Women 4, Coventry United nil in the uh, in the FA Cup. Just got home in time to see Leeds grab a third against Wolverhampton Wanderers to grab three points away at Molyneux. Wonderful stuff. Yeah, we had all this yesterday when Everton won at home <laughs> against Newcastle on the WhatsApp group and everyone doing the, oh, it's all over again. And you lot all getting excited, it seems anyway. Getting excited because we won a game. It's like, I'm not, I wasn't being sucked into it, first of all. I remember the last relegation. But I, I tell you what, my, my mood of Watford, my Watford mood, could not be knocked I don't think, for quite a while. Because last Sunday, as you heard in the podcast, a trip down to Southampton. Yes, it was a great fact Watford won away, but being on my first away trip with my son Eli, going on the coach with Anne Swanson, rolling back the years in my head, memories flashing back all, all day long. It was just a joy to do, and it will take some knocking. I know Watford may try this, <laughs> but it, it, won't, it, it, it will take a, a fair bit to knock my Watford mood, even though you guys are constantly trying to do that on the WhatsApp group. <laughs> I, I, can't, I, I agree with you, um, John, and I know Jace will agree. I know how, how big Watford is for, for Jason and, and your family, um, an extended family. It's just a, such an integral part of all of our, our lives, isn't it? And, and it's wonderful that family can play such a big part in it. And I'm, I'm with you, John. I think last Sunday was a nice welcome reminder as to the good that football can do. There's a lot you know, really to dislike about, about football in a number of ways, whether it's the impact of VAR, perhaps, and the, the, the difficulties that have, or the impact of, of money that's come from various dodgy places and the, and the non-competitive nature, perhaps, of the, of the top flight. There's loads to, to dislike about football, and it can be hard sometimes to, to get a feel for why, you know, is it worth all this time and effort and energy, emotional energy and finance that we put into it? Is it really worth it? And then you have a day like last Sunday where, you know, seeing Eli's face, he was so excited about being down there. It was a great win, but just seeing so many junior Hornets and they, they will probably have the, the bug for life. And it, and it reminds you, actually, it really is pretty simple at the end of the day that in as much as if something can put a smile on a group of people's faces or even just one face for, for two or three hours of an afternoon, then it's, then it's worthwhile, isn't it? And I think what last Sunday did was stripped away all the, all the bad stuff and nonsense that surrounds football and our daily lives, really, at the moment, sadly, on such a regular basis. And it's, and it's reset my views for the rest of the season. And yes, it was a bit dispiriting to see Everton get that late win against Newcastle, but it's dispiriting to see Leeds pit balls and, and get a valuable three points themselves. So it may well be that, that, that Watford are relegated, but the reality is we've got five matches left at Vicarage Road. And I found a silly little video that I made on my computer. It was actually, I made it, uh, just took some video for posterity more than anything. At that first match back after there was the pause for, for COVID, it was behind closed doors, it was against Leicester. A silly little video. And I just looked at it the other day. I found it on my computer and thought, God, it wasn't long ago that we were playing games behind closed doors and we were all desperate to be back at Vicarage Road 
together and then we missed out on the championship season and going up together and we're desperate to be back in the ground again. Well, we've actually got five Premier League matches left at Vicarage Road this season and put my hands up, I've been a misery all season on the podcast and, and in our WhatsApp groups, this season, the various WhatsApp groups. Just this season. <laughs> well, Michael. yeah, whatever. <laughs> but, but really, we as supporters, are we either going to get... You know, are you going to get on with it and try and enjoy it? Or are we just going to be miserable? I think there are there's obviously recriminations. There's obviously questions that need to be asked and will be asked. And there'll be discussions and debates amongst supporters and, and pundits and whoever uh, along into the summer, I'm sure. But what we do know for certain is that we've got five matches left and at home. And we'd have killed for Premier League football at the Vic last year um, or the year before when we weren't able to go. And I really do think that... We've just got to roll our sleeves up. And if we're going down, we've, we've asked the players to go down swinging. I think as supporters, if we're going to go down, we need to go down swinging as well and try and and go with a, a, a smile on our face, even if it is an ironic smile, even if it is a sort of knowing smile. But really go and just try and get behind the get behind the team and try and, and, try and enjoy it and try and see it for what it is, which is hopefully an opportunity to see our team in the, in, in the Premier League. If we go down, who knows when we'll be back? So I think I do think we've got a, 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 a responsibility to really grasp this next couple of months, whatever happens, however it goes, whatever the football's like, and just and just make the most of it. Because if if the last couple of years have taught us anything, it really should be that we should be seizing the moment and making the most of every every single opportunity we have to to put a smile on our faces and and that of each other. So yeah, I, I'm with you, John. I think it's regardless of what's happened around us, we knew we were up against it anyway. But it was provided me with a little bit of a reset and a little bit of a refocus as to as to what supporting football should be about. Got some matches left. Let's go and enjoy them. Come on, you golden boys. And that's the end of the podcast. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> what we're going to talk about, this is, a, we, we do know, you know, this is me, Jason and Mike, what we do normally on the weekends. We normally have a midweek podcast with Adam. But for the next couple of weekends, we're going to do this podcast this weekend, which is going to be us having a chat. Adam's going to be around for next weekend, which we're not going to do a midweek podcast for a couple of weeks. Uh, and then, of course, we'll be back in the full-on run with the last nine games of the season in the Premier League, uh, which we are all going to enjoy somehow or another but we sort of want to take a little bit of a you know this this time that we have this gap in the the week in well more than week in week out almost every every four or five days a match of football a couple of weeks ago Mike asked on our social medias at Watford podcast he sort of asked about you know if you had a chance to speak to to Gino and Scott what questions would you want to ask them and this is sort of like the questions you would ask in a fans forum and fans forums Jason they we we haven't had the cliche fans form at Watford for a long time with you know with the the locals with their pitchforks and their their flames after the the hierarchy because you know we've had a, a good couple of good couple of years but Jason when you've been to these fans forums when you hear them what do they mean to you as a football fan do they help you connect to the club oh yeah definitely I, 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 before you mentioned that connect word I was gonna answer with that because we've talked a lot about that recently about having a connection or perhaps now not having a connection to the football club. Some fans I know are really struggling to find that connection at the moment. And that was always one of, not the only, but one of the ways in which fans felt they were able to connect, not just an invite into the club, but then the club would go out around the community, go to to different pubs, clubs, other venues, take a player, a, a member of staff and 
people from across the Watford spectrum and, and invite fans in to ask questions. And and they were quite open forums as well, weren't they? There was never a, a fear of someone asking a, a difficult question. OK, they might be able to deflect them or they might be hard to answer, but there was no, there was no sort of managed situation or managed scenario. Everyone was invited. Anyone was able to ask a question, no matter what you wanted to ask. And, and generally, it ever sort of kicking off at one of these forums, no one getting silly, no one getting nasty. It was all respectful on both sides. And, and yeah, they were sort of good events to, to get involved in. So we're not going to, well, this is not us doing a fans forum. This is just us using your questions and, and trying to gauge your views about how Watford fans are feeling. Because it's very easy, I think, in modern times to to follow a bunch of Watford fans on Twitter and then there being a few incredibly vocal ones and gauging that, oh, that's how Watford fans are feeling. So this question really helped us sort of see what you guys are talking about. And we just want to talk around them a little bit. So this is not us saying what the answers are for the club. That's their answers. And it's not even us saying, hey, we know the best thing for the club. This is just us. This is us as three lifelong Watford fans talking about these topics that you guys are bringing up. So, Mike, sticking with the manager, of course, came up. Uh, Mike Phillips, uh, Laura Goods, uh, Vic Bay all brought up this thing about sticking with a manager. And, you know, look at Mike's question. He said, I'd like to like to ask them, given their apparent admiration for the legacy of GT, why they can't revise their model and build a project around a manager instead of a group of players they pick. It's clearly not working for the last few years. And I suppose it is, Mike, really easy to say things aren't going well. What's the thing we're changing quite a lot? Oh, it's the manager. Let's not change a manager. It's trying to, it's people trying to do a, a fair test in a science way, but it's not a quite a fair test because there's so many factors coming into all the things at play. But that idea that player first, player power, is something that has stuck with me and it does continue to stick with me that they think about the players completely way too much. I don't think you can think about the players too much, whereas because they're the ones that are going to be going out onto the pitch and hopefully hopefully de- delivering results. And I do think what we've seen is an, an issue whereby they've, I think, probably decided, right, we've got a number of left-backs, a number of centre-backs, a number of right-backs, some midfielders and some attackers. We've got a squad. That, I think, is a, is an issue in, it, in, in itself because I don't think... You know when you play FIFA, John, you're starting to learn about FIFA now, now <laughs> thanks to his life, from what I gather from... Shoot from is Sunday. A. Yes, I know these things. <laughs> but there's all this, there's this chemistry thing where there's a line in between each player and it's either red, amber or green and that shows what the chemistry is like between the squad and the aim is to get the all the lines between interlinking between all the players to be green because I think that, that shows that all the players are... Um, are suited to each other and suited to playing um, in the way you've got them set up. At least that's my understanding of it. Anyway, Q, a lot of people telling me that I haven't got a clue about FIFA. They'd be absolutely right. Um, but I do think it feels that they haven't got necessarily got, got that bit right, which then makes it harder to get them the head coach bit right. Because if, if demonstrably the, the additions we had to make in January... Um, in the form of a lot of defensive-minded players, showed us that we, we, we didn't have the squad that we, we felt we needed. So if you haven't got the squad in place, it's very, very difficult then to ask a manager to come in or a head coach to come in and meld that, that, that squad into something that's going to be competitive in the, in the Premier League. So I think it's a mixture of both things. I'd be lying if I, if I didn't say 
that the thought of another head coach coming in, another manager coming in is sort of a bit starting to get a little bit wearing. Um, we know it's going to happen at the end of the season. It's very, very, very unlikely that Roy Hodgson is going to be taking charge of Watford next season, regardless of what division we're in. So that's definitely going to be happening. But what would be nice is for that head coach to stay in post for um, for the season, primarily because it means that, that things are going in the right direction. I mean, I would point out that we changed manager halfway through the championship season, which ended up being successful and, and one that will live long in the memory for a, for a host of reasons. So we changed the manager then and it worked. Um, but it, it's the last two times in the in the Premier League, we've had to change a number of occasions, and it and it looks like it's not going to have worked on, on either occasion. So, every every sympathy for that being a, a type of question aimed at the aimed at the hierarchy, p- perhaps the main question. Talk to anyone about Watford, with, even with a passing knowledge of football, and it'll be a roll of the eyes or a knowing look, sort of, and they'll say, "Oh yeah, have you been the manager yet?" And that, that sort of running gag. And I think it's starting to feel like a bit like a, a running gag, even amongst Watford supporters. So it's how they arrive at a situation where they're able to to keep the head coach and whether it's like, right, we decide... Because the difficulty is, and if you say, right, we're going to stick with this head coach for the next and allow him to build something. If you hire a head coach, then it becomes evident that it's not the right head coach. You, you, can't, you don't want to stick to that plan. Um, just because you've said right, we're going to we're going to stick with it and 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 let him build something for two years. So the building thing for me goes back to another sort of problem, which I've sort of had in the back of my head. I can't remember who I was speaking to. Let's say it was Ollie Wicken because he's a clever fella. But it's the whole thing of actually we're actually missing another piece to this this long term vision for for how we are successful in terms of the football world. I don't mind players turning over. I don't sort of don't mind the manager turning over. But the thing that I've got stuck in my head I don't know about you Jason is that there is no Watford way and I don't mean necessarily that means the Watford way of, of the past or anything but it is there's no system there's no filter in terms of who you're going to hire for the job what players are we going to buy it's just let's buy a bunch of players that are good and they'll fit together I'm sure but actually there should be a filter that says these are the type of players that we need to fit this way that we play football and these are the type of managers that we're going to hire because they're very good at doing that style of football. It's that sort of overarching definition of a system that would help both those things be more, more of these links between them, these green links between them, would I think be a lot, lot stronger. I mean, the the length of of time, Jason, as a manager, do you ever see that as a a massive factor? I mean, it's not like how many times we had a manager for more than three seasons in our entire time as Watford fans. Not that many. I think you're absolutely right there, there, John. You answered answered that um, really well. Um, And I completely agree. If you're going to have a... uh, uh, We still got the Watford way. The Watford way is to have a, a, a system in place whereby you can change the manager or head coach on a regular basis without it affecting the um the team the the what happens on the pitch and how we grow as a as a football club that was the intention wasn't it when we see the types of managers that they go from one to the next to the next being very different in terms of the way they manage and the way they play you wonder how that actually works like you say if you're going to if you're building that model then presumably you are buying the players in to fit a certain style of football because they want to play that way. 
but that doesn't work when you're going from well, we, we we talked about championship and we had Ivic who, who seem seemingly was a very defensive style of football to Cisco Munoz who doesn't quite work for me in terms of the model uh, and we don't really know as well and, and I'm sure we're going to talk about communication in some of the questions that, that other people have offered what are we actually trying to achieve in terms of in terms of the Watford way now what what is it We're, okay we still seem to have this system in place this model in place where we are comfortable with changing the manager but what type of players are we going for now? I think that's a that, that's a question that I'm sure people will have asked. Well, we you know when we spoke to Scott last summer, you know he said say that the that he wanted it to be a thing where we bring through young players, and lots of people we said before in the podcast they sort of seem to be really focused on that, and that's what you said, and that's what you need to do. But actually, he did also say we want to bring these young players and give them the opportunity to shine, but we know that needs to be supported with 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 experience. That thing, though, you know, Mike, that Jason just sort of mentioned there. What what is the the aim, the target, let's say, for this for this squad? And Dave Levy and, and Chris sort of said, you know, Dave Levy said, you know, the way he is. Do you agree that every day the club spends above twelfth in the second division or in the championship is a bonus? Do we still want to be the best of the rest? Is what Chris asked. And do we need as football fans to have a very direct target, or do we just need to have? We're going to try our best to be as high as we can. It kind of goes against what I said at the start of the podcast because I, I really enjoy football for football's sake. You know, I've, I've been at a game tonight which I enjoyed. I've got no skin in the game with the one tonight at all, but I enjoyed being at a match. I'll be at another one tomorrow and I'll, I'll enjoy being there. So I do get a lot of pleasure out of just being in close proximity to football, to watching the game, watching the sport. So I must caveat it with that because I, but I know not everyone is like that. Uh, so from a supporter's point of view, I think there has to be hopefully at least something that you can hope for some something at the end of the end of the rainbow, uh, whether it's a, a cup run, whether it's a promotion, whether it's whatever avoiding relegation. There has to be some sort of target because that's what what sport is. There is an aim and that, that aim is is usually to win. So from a supporter's point of view, we need to be able to maintain that a, a target. A, and, and probably for me at the moment, it's just seeing Watford play well. And I think that is suitable as a target. Seeing Watford win is fine as a target. But for the club as a whole, I think if you haven't got a target, if you haven't got an aim, then that's when you start to you, you sort of drift aimlessly and listlessly, don't you? you? You have to be aiming at something because that's what you work towards. You have the, it needs to be achievable. It needs to be attainable for, for you to work for it because that's what, that's what defines the decisions you make. That decide, defines the strategy that it defines everything. It's the overarching reason for existing is, is, is the target. So whether it is to be financially secure, whether it is to make sure that um, Watford can exist in whatever division, uh, they find themselves in that's that's a suitable target as well i don't necessarily agree with dave's point every day the club spends above 12th in the second division is a bonus it's a bit arbitrary i know what he's saying in as much as being in the top 30 in 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 the in the country is is an achievement in itself and that's that's fine but that doesn't for me feel like something i can sit back and bask in it doesn't feel like i can go home uh, put my feet up and, and stick the TV uh, highlights on and say, well, there's us in 28th position overall in the country. That I don't really, that doesn't chime with me. 
Chris's point, I think, is is more pertinent. I think it links onto another group of questions that we might talk about. Is the aim still to be the best of the rest of mm. the Premier League? I would say categorically no, because whilst that would be nice to have that as a, the aim, the reality is that that is now, I think, not possible. What do you now determine as being the best of the rest? Is it yeah. is it seventh in bottom. the Premier League? Is it yeah? Is it outside the top six and the nouveau riche, shall we say? Um, and and how big is that list of? newly rich clubs who do you lump in there it's 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 a lot harder than when scott dutch actually made that statement well yeah. just before the cup final that group of clubs that consider themselves as established rich premier league clubs that are going to be hard to shift has grown a lot since uh since 2019 best best of the rest is 17th in the premier league yeah it is but I mean, what he meant by that back then he said you know the best of the rest meant not in Europe, it meant just below Europe and you know, not in eighth place even. It was I, I always took it to be somewhere around, just maybe above, just maybe below, tenth, which means established is what he, he used to go back to as well, established thing. But we know, because it's been all around us for quite a while now, two years, the whole problem that they are working with no matter what your dreams are and what you want to achieve and whatever you think the target should be, financially, we've got not a clue where the club is. You assume it's either not very good or they're being very, very cautious if you look at the investment they've made into players. We haven't had a financial breakdown of the previous year, but I'm going to assume it's not the greatest bunch of books that's ever been published. That being said... That, that that's where your your target will change for this year your dream might be different you still might want to be the best of the rest and you never know you might be a thing one season if the wind blows in the right direction but you can't do that at this point with everything that's gone on for Watford in terms of relegation having still paying wages of players that are quite high even if they're not at the club all these factors are, are going to limit the club to be able to achieve what they want to want to achieve rather than their short-term target of what's the point this year? It's finishing 17th. That's it. And we're going to get there as best we can. That's, that, for me, that's, that, that's almost the target. The financial thing is often missed, I think, from fans because, as we know, not every fan pays as much attention to everything that goes on in the football club. But every fan sort of does need to know, and not the details, but there's a massive financial limitation on us. And we don't know if there is. But like I said, from what we've seen, you sort of assume it, don't you, Mike? Yeah, absolutely. I think the the, the accounts will be will be telling. And I just think that, that the gap, and I think there's a group of questions really, isn't there, that, mm. that address that, uh, that, that came in. It certainly felt like that, that to me. The reality is that, that I think the Premier League has just changed so so quickly and uh, and the fact that more more clubs have got more money um we haven't got more money than we that we've had previously and we've had the impact potentially of a season in the in the championship it's very hard for us to get a grasp of of the reality of that of those finances and i'm hoping we'll get a a swiss ramble uh breakdown when when our accounts do come out because i think it will lay bare the the actual situation which a lot of supporters, I think, are keen to keen to fully understand. Ian Grant mentioned it. You know, he sort of said, 
He wants to know if, you know, looking at the trend since we went up in 2015, it's increasingly difficult to for promoted sides to survive for more than two seasons. How do you bridge that gap? Hanson Ho, my mate from Canada, who we uh, came over for the uh, the FA Cup semi-final. You know, do you feel it's more difficult to stay in the Premier League in 2022? And Carol Humphreys makes a great point. Without having a billionaire owner, is it nigh on impossible to survive in the Premier League today? And as you've been saying, Mike, it certainly feels that way, however clever you can be in the transfer market to generate a few extra million quid, we're just not going to do it. I saw the thing today with, you know, comparing all the teams who got through to the quarterfinals of Europa League. You know, West Ham is a £192 million turnover. Now, I know that everyone in the Premier League is somewhere just, just above a hundred, but actually, are we really making anywhere near enough anywhere near enough to be anywhere close to that, even on our best season of selling a player or two. It, it, we just can't, we just, it's, it's never going to happen. Their owners are worth a billion quid. Yeah, they, 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 it's uncomparable. I, I think Ian's question is really pertinent, and I think it might sound a little bit um, defeatist, but we talked about targets and what we should be going for, and I think Ian asked, making the point, it's increasingly difficult for promoted sides to survive for more or for one or two seasons. I think that's right. I I, t- I think that's a fact. I do think that the best of the rest is seventeenth, sixteenth at a push. So how do you bridge that gap? And if you can't bridge it, how do you deal with the challenge of being a yo-yo club? It's a really, really interesting question. I, I wonder if it becomes a, a discussion more around the the Premier League itself. If if more and more clubs get investment, get this money injected into them, do we end up with more and more rich clubs, more rich clubs than the size of the Premier League? Do we then see the Championship become a, a Premier League too because the demand is there, because there's even more money floating around football in, in this country? Do we then mm. become part of a Premier League too? I think that that's a, that is the discussion that that seems to be coming down the down the track, doesn't it? it was, when there was the Super League conversation, I mean, obviously that was a a poorly constructed project and, a, and an even worse executed one. But those kind of in the know were saying, look, it's been fended off this time, but they'll be back, and the Super League will, in some shape or form, will happen. And what, what, how that manifests itself, I think, is a is a very, very real conversation, isn't it? And is one that we ought to engage with, because it's all well and good saying, well, it needs to just be as it is, and it needs to be, you know, the league structure kept as it is, but it's it's changed completely. What cannot continue is is clubs mortgaging themselves, remortgaging themselves, risking the house on trying to compete in an arena, which there is next to no chance of them of them competing in i think what we need to do as as supporters and this is sort of mushrooming into a into a broader context and 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 but, but the overarching thing about what our target should be and how do we enjoy football needs to be to to be realistic and to embrace the the change that is happening and be part of the conversation and work out what that what that change needs to be and whether it is a restructuring of the of the leagues effectively so that the, 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 the ludicrously wealthy can play amongst themselves um, and, and the rest, the sort of the have-nots, um, they, they, they play on a sort of different, different level um, and, the, and the targets are reassessed. Now, that's not the romantic notion that we all grew up with 
Um, Watford, in particular, you know, finishing finishing second in the uh, in in the first division under under Graham Taylor, famously, that that's gone, whether we like it or not. And really, the chances of a team like Watford even getting to an FA Cup final, you know, how often is it going to happen? I just don't, I don't see it. Those days, those romantic days of of competitive football as we know it, are disappearing. There's there's no two ways about it. Um, you only need to look at the uh, at the teams who are in the. Well, I tell you, what, I was going to say the championship, but look at the teams in the conference. You know, in the national league, there are big big teams who have who've, who've had great footballing stories. Uh, and they're they're languishing in the in the in the in the in the conference, the the national league. So to eat at top table and to enjoy it is is very 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 difficult, to the point of almost being impossible, long term sustainably. Um, so I think we just being part of those conversations that you 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 sort of alluded to there, Jace, are going to be part of a football supporter's life for the coming years. Whether how quickly it happens remains to be seen. But the reality is the more money that there is at the top, and it's not just more money in terms of prize money, it's what the what access owners have, it's just gonna it's just taking it it's taking it away from from so many clubs. And it's that's the reality. How do we deal with it? Well I like what Ian last week Ian's question was not how do you stop being a yo yo club? He says, How do you deal with the challenges of being a yo yo club? And I think that becomes to making sure that we're running the right way. The contracts, the players are great. But basically, meaning if you get relegated, there is a massive drop in revenue that isn't going to feel like the entire place has to be shaken up, turned over, and, you know, just ridiculous change every single time you do. Find what is the base value of running the football club. So everything should be nice and, and, and healthy. Um, of course, Fans Forum, we, you know, we've done some very big and huge, serious questions here, and that's very important of a Fans Forum. But of course, Michael, at Fans Forum, as you know, it's often the first question, in fact. You get a fun but important and silly question. Steve Temple asked, why can't I get a hot chocolate in the upper rouse? Now, I don't know about you, I haven't asked for hot chocolate anywhere in Vicarage Road for many, many years. Um, I don't know, Steve, but I don't think that's one for the fans forum. Get in touch with the supporter services and I'm sure they'll be able to get in touch with the catering company. And, you know, rather than having a bovril, you might be able to get a, uh, a hot chocolate. And of course, Jason, this is one that it's always rumbling under. Clearly, all our issues are linked to one decision and one only. When will things have gone far enough and you get back red shorts? Jason, it's... It could be the, the thing that changes the entire makeup of the Watford success. I mean, Mike's saying we'll never get to second place in the Premier League, maybe with red shorts. This is the thing that will get us to be successful. What do you think, Jace? Oh, I don't know about that. We, we, we've had this discussion fairly recently, <laughs> haven't we, about the, uh, about the kit. And um, I think I've mentioned before, I like, I like the look of, of the black shorts. I think they go well with the, with the yellow better than the red. I know that's going to alienate a lot of people. But I'm going to go back to my uh, my, my favourite in terms of three three colour kits, three sort of three combo, you know, three colour combo shirt, one colour. Obviously, it has to be yellow. Uh, so Pat's going to have red shorts and black socks, or would it work better, black shorts and red socks? But then Michael wouldn't be happy because then he doesn't get his red shorts. 
I'll tell you what I think. Until Watford win a home game, they shouldn't wear any shorts at all. <laughs> and they, get, they should go skins. <laughs> yeah. Like the naughty boys, like the naughty boys that forgot their PE kit, make them wear skins. <laughs> so they'll just have to wear a sort of 90s, 90s baggy top over the top to make sure that they uh, cover the fact they weren't wearing shorts. Or maybe we can sure, make, that, that... make them wear 1990s baggy shorts, because shorts were massive in the 1990s, weren't they, for footballers? So maybe we just make them slightly extra bigger. Make them play in uh, Jose's underpants. <laughs> How are they going, Michael? Jose Holabas's underpants. They still all right? Still fitting okay? Yeah, absolutely. Very. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they've uh, just been through uh, through the wash. They're freshly laundered, ready for me to slip into tomorrow. Seeing as you asked. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. From the Rookery End, a podcast about life following Watford FC. Now, Mike, the big thing about Final Swords is, is we talk about the connection with the fans, but actually there's that, that feeling you get by hearing and seeing the whites of the eyes of people like Scott Duxbury, of, you know, previous to any owners we've had before that. Of course, we never got to see the whites of the eyes and hear from the owner of Mr. Lawrence Bassini because he wimped out of a very uh, famous fans forum. Do you ever feel that they are telling the truth? Can they really tell us the truth? They can. I think what you have to do as a supporter is I think sometimes you have to read between the lines so I think, for example, if you take finances as a, as a, uh, as an example, I think the the accounts will come out, and I think you will have to assess them and say, well, that's why we couldn't do this. That's where that money's gone. That's why uh, we weren't able to do this and that. I don't think the club are going to break it down and say, well, here we go. This is why we're we're up against it because this, this, and this. This is why we are unable to compete with other teams in the Premier League because of this. I don't think they're going to spell it out like that because that wouldn't make sense from a commercial point of view or a or a sporting point of view you need to you want to be able to portray a an appearance that is competitive and strong and, and so on and so forth so i think they have a job to to do that really in terms of att- attracting possible investment attracting attracting players and and uh, keeping fans sort of ticking over so i don't think it's ever a case of of not telling the truth i think it's sometimes a case of providing enough information that allows supporters to be in to, to make their own informed decisions instead of potentially flailing around with with bits and bobs that we've we've picked up from uh, from sources and outlets which may or may not be true does that make sense i don't think they're ever going to yeah. spell out the, the key things no i remember scott duxby once saying and very hinting at the fact that jared delafeu was going to be signed the following summer you know without actually saying it you know, he said hinting at certain things to a room full of Watford fans who all have social media accounts, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. 
but he wasn't quite saying it. And that's that's not quite reading between the lines. But there are always moments, I think, where the, the tone of the answer and those moments, because they always share a microphone, don't they? There's a moment where, like, Scott will say, grab it, he'll take the answer. When they ask a question about ticketing things, he'll pass it off to somebody else. But there's certain moments where he sort of takes the answer, tries his best to explain everything that he can. But, you know, there's questions like here, Jason, do you reckon we're going to get answers for questions such as, would you consider, this is from Adam Drury, would you consider taking a step back and properly handing over the football operations to somebody else? Are they going to say, yeah, of course. <laughs> what they, they, like, will they answer that one truthfully? It's an interesting question, is it? And it's, yeah. yeah, who who is, is that directed at? Is that directed <laughs> at Scott Duxbury or is it directed at maybe a Giralta? Could be aimed at Gino. I think it'd be aimed at Gino, yeah. And we're, we're probably thinking too far ahead here and into too much detail. Is Gino likely to be at a fans forum? I would say he probably wouldn't. No. It would be Duxbury as the... As the uh, uh, the face of the club, I guess, the voice of the club. Yeah, and, and then, okay, so what and what do you call the football operation? What is it that we think Gino is doing that others aren't doing? Is, is, is it his final decision on a lot of these things? How much is he trusting in the people he has underneath him? I would sort of almost take a step back here and and say I don't understand exactly what the makeup of the football operation is in terms of who actually does what, who actually makes those final decisions. And I think it would be good as a first stage, perhaps if we had a clearer view of that. And I know a lot of people have been talking about, uh, as I mentioned earlier, about uh, communication from the club. And it almost comes back to what we're saying about telling the truth and what they can and can't tell us. But I guess some a lot of, of what we consider to be the football operations side of thing is actually clouded in mystery. In, yeah, clouded in mystery. We don't really know who's doing what and who's making those final decisions. So I think as a first step, before Adam's question is answered, I'd like to actually understand who is handling the football operations and the various aspects that that entails. I'd like to stick up for 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 Adam here, and not that you're no, having to go bashing him. Yeah. Any, <laughs> what? Any, any What's of the imagination. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not bashing. I'm not bashing Adam. Yeah. I know. I know. You're not. And Adam, Adam will know that as well. But what I would like to say is the the way we asked this this question on 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 socials was to say these have got to be questions that you're prepared to actually ask the guys when you're in the same room room with them. And I think what I like about this this question is it's quite surgical. It's straight to the point and it is asking questions of the people who are running the club and making the ultimate decisions. And and in terms of understanding who does make the decisions and what the football operation, how it looks like and who's responsible for what, what a good question to to start that conversation. It's a sensible searching question that uh, opens up a, a, a dialogue. You say this, you say, it, you say sensible, Michael. I think I see where Jason went with it, like saying, you know, you want to know something else before. And it could easily lead to a open conversation where they do tell us that as an answer for Adam's question. But it could also be quickly batted off in this, uh, you know, in a confrontational way. And I, I absolutely want to know who, what are these jobs? Because football clubs always have these weird titles like director of football and technical director and all this sort of stuff. And I don't know the difference. And as far as I'm aware, they're different at all these different football clubs. But they don't think, it feels like there is nobody who is a consistent person at the club 
again, going back to what I said earlier about what is the footballing system at Watford, almost being the the one who keeps hold of it and sings for it and, and sticks up for it. We know Gino and everything he's done in the past is being about hunting down talent. When you see what Cristiano Gioretta does, he sort of doesn't really talk about anything else. He's all, he's, anything he's sort of talking about is about signings and how players are doing. It seems that his head is in that area also. So the football operation, it doesn't necessarily feel like there's someone who, apart from the head coach, who is sort of dealing with that on a consistent basis. The football operation is actually the buying and selling operation and the developing of talent operation, not necessarily the the playing football in a system and style. Um, and the other one then, which which... which I don't know, Mike, when we sat with Scott in the pub last summer, hearing him say stuff about what they've learnt and what they're going to do differently and what will be the new Watford way, you know, the question from Paul Goldsmith, explain exactly what lessons you learned from our first relegation that makes this relegation different. That's hmm. a quite a personal question also. Do you think we're going to get an answer from that no, I like the question because I, I like the way that it's focused and, you know, explaining exactly what lessons you learn is sort of is putting them on the spot. And I think we're totally, totally, totally entitled as Watford supporters to to ask that if we're engaged. We have a right to, to ask questions if, if the opportunity is, a, is is afforded us, which I'm, I'm hopeful it will be at, at some stage in the coming coming months. So I like the fact that it's that it's direct while we've been talking about this, I think the bottom line is we haven't got the right players and we obviously haven't got the head coach, the right head coach or manager. That's basically what the issue is, isn't it? That, that's the bottom line. And it's, it's not an exact science. It's difficult to attract the right players and it's difficult to, 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 to get the right manager if you, if you don't get the first bit right. So I would say the lessons would be we've got to, we've got to get those decisions right. That would would what I would expect the answer to be. But I think it's the right sort of question. I think it's opening a healthy dialogue and, and trying to understand a bit of introspection is a bit of putting the hands up and saying, yeah, we got this, we got this wrong. This is why we've ended up in this, in this situation. And I think that's where that, that question is coming from and why I think it's, it's justified. As as for the answers, you'd hope that they would say, well, yeah, we, we, we got that wrong. This is why we got it wrong. This is what we were hoping to achieve with this direction we've gone in. This is why it didn't work. And therefore, we'll make sure we don't do do that again. So, yeah, I think it's a sensible question. Whether you'd get the, the exact precise answers that perhaps we, we might like to sort of compartmentalise it all off and to know for a fact that next time we get promoted, everything will be fine. I don't think that's... That's possible. Yeah, those you know, hard, hard, hard hitting questions, which I don't dig in. I don't think it's the forum where you get a, a fans forum where you get the answer. Steve R, you know, tell us financially where we stand. Are we still 120 million in debt? And what's happening with the loan secured to the ground? Is it safe? What's the five year plan in stabilising Watford's finances? Finances get released. You can see what they are um, if you know what you're looking at when these these sheets come out. But it's it's. You know, not necessarily something they can sort of put out there in public because I think it would, in a competitive market, it could be bad if they come out and say, yeah, we've got no money because then we'd be, vultures would come in and steal our best for, for pittance. So that's a question that they don't really, I never feel that we, we ever get the chance to get a full answer from, but they're not going to shy away from it from giving us some sort of answer. Um, loads of questions about, you know, G- Gary Hornet was really 
honest, you know, I've been a, I've been a fan for 40 years and fallen out of love with this football club. I'm on the verge of walking away completely because I feel I have no connect, connection with the club. I'm sure there are many supporters that feel this way. What are you going to do about it? That's a big personal thing, Mike. I don't know how on earth... I don't know what he could do to make Gary feel better. Try and win football matches at home. Yeah. I think the majority of football of Watford supporters go to home games and then perhaps a handful of, of away games, the majority. And what have we done? We've lost eight in a row in what looks like a, what's looked for the most part of the season, like a doomed campaign to stay in the, in the division. So why, if, if, if what you're interested in is results, which is absolutely fine and absolutely appropriate for a football supporter, why would you be anything other than miffed with what you're seeing on the on the pitch I suspect if Watford turn up and win their next five home games in a row then a lot of people might feel very different that's not being reductive that's not belittling how people feel about um uh, about going to watch Watford at the moment or supporting Watford because I'm I felt like that as well you know I've said uh to, to on the podcast I've said to other people at Grand it felt like people have been going out of a sense of duty which isn't really what you want from your footballing experience, is it? So I do under I do understand it. It's it's no fun watching your team lose badly week in week out with very little hope of achieving what the what the target was for this season, or feeling like there's there's no no little hope of of achieving that target. So I get it, but I do think an, an awful lot of it is down to is down to results and down to performances because we look elsewhere around the club and there's a lot that's going right. John and I, you know, we experienced the junior Hornets at the weekend. Little things like the Ukraine, you know, it's only a mug, but they're doing something to to, to raise a bit of money for, for Ukraine, going back to the NHS and the, uh, and, and the hospital. There's the sensory room. There's all sorts of stuff that the club does does really, really well. The team isn't doing well at the moment. And for, for a lot of people, the team is... The, the single most important thing and I t- totally accept that and if the team's not performing and, and performing to a pretty low level then you can understand fully why people are feeling sort of upset and a bit a bit cheesed off against the backdrop of everything else that's going on in the world it's a pretty pretty grim time uh, both in this country and and worldwide for reasons that we don't need to talk about on this podcast but when you go to football for your couple of hours of um uh, entertainment and and release and it and you don't get it then it's it's difficult isn't it it does make me feel a little bit sad when i see these comments i think gary's not the only yeah. one we've seen other people on social media say these things and i and i think about it and i think players come and go managers and head coaches certainly come and go as we know and even owners and directors of football and other staff in the club come and go but we as the fans we are the sort of the one consistent we we get a club and we support that club for a lifetime. And you know, I certainly hope that's the case for, for, for us Watford fans. And I feel like I want to put an arm around these, these people and just say, don't, don't give up. You know, we, we are the club, aren't we? Because yeah. everything else changes. Yeah. We are the club. It's our club. So don't give up. Sort of hang on in there, you know, sort of give it a chance. And it probably won't be different in a week, two weeks time, maybe a year's time, maybe two years time. But at some point down the line, Things will be good again and it will be fine. Don't give up on your football club because it's your football club. They, they might not be good again, but your point still stands. It is our football club. It is about the people that sit around you. It's about your walk to Vicarage Road. It's about Z cars. It's about 
the pub that you go to. It's about your pre-match superstitions. It's about who you talk to afterwards. It's about what you want your target for Watford to be. It's what your favourite player is, your favourite kit. That is what it is. And Watford may well be absolute crap for the next two decades. We don't know. They may be brilliant. But whatever happens, it is still your club. And it still is what you make of it. The Watford are getting a lot of it right. On the pitch, they're getting it not so right very often. But I do think, you know, it's such a living, breathing thing being a, a football supporter. And you can choose... You can choose to sort of build it into something massive or you can choose to make it more slimline and, and, and just go and enjoy the game or you can make it something bigger where you interact with supporters or you go to a wake. You can, you can build your football supporting life to, to, to whatever, whatever level you want it to be. But, it, but it is, that is what it is to you personally. That's all that football ever is, is what it means to you, what it means to you, John, what it means to you, Jace, what it means to anyone listening. That's what football is. I can't define what it means for you, John. I can't tell you to be more grumpy and take it more seriously because that's what it means to me. Um, and I can't tell Jace not to be so bright and smart on the tactics because really what, what counts is about how you feel when a goal goes in. I know what football is to me and it's different for absolutely everyone. Um, and I think I think Jace, you, you've hit the nail on the head. I think stick with it, and I think we all need a bit of a bit of a arm round each other. And I mean, all of us together, a, a, a big sort of a big sort of Watford group hug, really, because we, it has been it's been a tough old season, and there's there's been fractures in, in, amongst the supporters groups, and um, people have been arguing amongst themselves, and it's been difficult to try and work out. Why it hasn't gone to plan? Is it the owners' fault? Is it the players are up to no good? Is there too much um, latitude for the are the squad allowed to get away with too much? Are the shorts the wrong p- colour? Yeah. Well, exactly, and it's been tough. We've all been scratching our heads, and we've all been arguing amongst each other, and it's been a little bit fractious. I just think we need to take a breath, put an arm around each other, and look at each other in the eye and say, you know, we're all Watford fans. We're together. We may be good, we may be bad, we may be indifferent, but we've still got this club, we've still got this thing in common. Let's enjoy it the way that we know best. And that's that's different for each each person. But I would urge people to, to not give up because this club does a lot of wonderful things on and off the pitch. And football does a lot of wonderful things for people. The, the, it, it gives back to people. It gives special moments that can never, ever be taken away, can never be be replicated, and you never, ever know when the next one might come. So I think Jason's words there, don't give up, I think are, are great, especially at this time. Watford are up against it. The world's a grim old place. Let's hang on to what we what we know and love. And that's our, that's our wonderful football club. So we've got nine beautiful Premier League games to go of this season. <laughs> Gentlemen, I want to come up with what three things do we really want to happen in these last nine games? And you're not allowed to say blah, 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 number points and what for stay up. That's a given. So it's that whole thing of, the, you know, do we want to have a desperate last few games having to have lots of wins that we got in 1991 to sort of claw our way out of this relegation zone? Or do we want to just 
what what do we want to happen? You know, the chances are, as we've said, it, it's slim. In the year 2000 and the year 2007, we got relegated from the Premier League the first time. We got nine points in the last 10 games. And that's not probably going to be enough for us to stay up. We got seven from 10. <laughs> Only seven from the last 10. The 11th game, by, by the way, that was the Liverpool game. Uh, in 2019-2020. You know, this isn't, it isn't like to get to the 13 points that we need. But... Imagine we do that. What is it you want to happen in this final nine games that is going to make it a great season no matter what happens? Jason, what do you, what do you want to see happen? I, I'm not sure it'll ever make it a, a great season. Uh, <laughs> you never know. Um, I, I just want a bit of hope and a bit of fight and, and not go down with a whimper. We and, and they did that last Sunday. Yeah. They gave us a bit of hope. That's why... We've been cursing Wolves and Newcastle over the last couple of nights because it feels like it's been snatched away from us again. Just show us that you believe you can still stay up on the pitch and give us a bit of hope as we go towards the end of the season. Mike, are the next words out of your mouth to do with Manchester City? They are. <laughs> I guess. What do you want from the? What's important is is it a win or would you take a draw, sir? <laughs> I'll take, no, only a win will do. Thank you very much. I big bid you could. Uh, I I don't want us to get hammered by one of of Manchester City and, and Liverpool. I think by by some margin the the best teams in the in the Premier League, an absolute ludicrous, filthy array of talent. Uh, both of them. Um, fighting for tooth and nail for the for the Premier League title, so unquestionably the worst time for us to play them because there's no question of either of them taking their foot off the gas. I don't want us to get smashed to bits by one of them. Well, I think one of them is probably going to do it, but can we just go? Let's oh, actually. I think it's the Etihad. I want Man City has just been the the poster boys for Watford's inability to compete consistently in the in the Premier League. So can we? keep them at bay i tell you what i want a point at the etihad that's i mean it's a massive massive ask but if we could get that i think we could almost scrub them off we've got results against everyone else in the in the division haven't we nothing against man city we haven't really come close in all honesty so if we can somehow the roy masterclass up at the etihad frustrate them um and and come away from a point i think that would be a um uh, that would be an achievement. That would be achievement. So that's that's uh, that's one of my things. Uh, my my one I want to happen is we win the last home game of the season. As simple as that. I know the last game uh, again is away at Chelsea, but I think what we've spoken about that connection and as we said, you know that, that if, you know, if you see Watford win, it's the important thing. I think it's really important that our last time all together at Vicarage Road. If that goes out on a high, if that goes out on a win, no matter yeah. if we, you know, you hope that it isn't the thing that sort of we've won, but we're, we're down. If we win that last home game and we have to get something and we're still in it against Chelsea away, then I think that will be the best thing for the club going forward and us as fans and how we feel towards it. So there's plenty of football to go and we've got plenty of podcasts. Can I add one, one in, one in, John? And well, we're going to do say, three, but go on then. <laughs> three point, three point five, and I think I was about to say, well, there's nothing we can do about it, so let's just enjoy it. But actually, there is something that we can do about it, and that is to go with a, a spring in our step um, to to Vicarage Road. And I think Jay, Jace mentioned it there about having the hope and the connection and 
and, and get the, the the feeling that, that that they're trying and that the fans are trying as well. There was a connection there on on Sunday. You could saw it in the celebrations. It was uh, really good the limbs, as the as everyone would, would call it in the away end. But the 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 players were interacting, and it was great. There was that shared shared moment. But I want us to to enjoy these last five games. That that what will happen on the pitch will happen on the pitch. But as supporters at this time. I say it again. What everything going on in in the world, everything that's happening, we what we can do is go determined to show this football club that we care about them, to show these players whether they're good enough or not, whether the head coach is is is, is the right choice or not, whether the hierarchy are making the, the 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 correct decisions or not. We can show that we are behind this club for now and and forever, and we can do it with a smile. We can do it with a good sense of humour if things go tits up but we have to make Vicarage Road a fun place to be a noisy place to be an effusive a bullion place to be and we can do that that's the one thing that are supporters that we currently have a control over an influence on let's walk taller when we go to Vicarage Road determined 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 to absolutely wring every last bit of fun whatever how we say however we can find it from these from these remaining remaining home games i think that's the the least we can do i've i've um decided to i've given my head a bit of a wobble and said well enough enough of the misery you've been you've been moaning and groaning and saying we're down all all year well maybe we are maybe we're not but i'm going to go and make sure that i enjoy it and make sure i go with a smile on my face uh, and i'm going to try and lift people up instead of uh, drag them down and i think if we all do that it won't solve all the issues, but what it will do is make for a happier, better environment and, a, and an atmosphere that we can all enjoy. And who knows, if Vicarage Road is bouncing, we might win the, the next game. We might win the one after that. We might win the one after that. And then who knows what will happen. But we can play a part. We really, really, really can. And I think it's time that we pulled our socks up, got our big boy pants on and our big girl pants on, and uh, and and just got on with it and made sure that we we support our football club fully uh, and with a smile. Let's get your singing voices on, ladies and gentlemen. Get your clapping hands ready uh, and take your gloves off because gloves are rubbish when it comes to clapping. There was a game the other night. I can't remember what it was, and I swear someone had an air horn <laughs> in the crowd. As long as it's not so a boo maybe... Zella, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much, Jason. Thank you. I'm off to uh, go to sleep and dream about Mike in his big girl pants. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. I'll pop a picture in the WhatsApp group. Come on, you odds! <laughs> Thank you for listening. We're back with another podcast next week uh, with a, ooh, hopefully a special guest for you. Make sure you do subscribe to The Athletic if you haven't done already. There's always a special offer if you go to theathletic.com forward slash rookery end uh, and you will get a special, special, special offer because you listen to this podcast. Nine games to go, nine games of lots of fun. Fingers crossed. Come on, you on! The Athletic.